0: Firebase is kind of an amazing tool that when you start using it it gives you basically everything you need out of the box. The problem that we really wanted to solve was later on when you start scaling. We know that databases are sort of this unsolved problem for a lot of engineers. People know about migrations but they don't know what's the canonical best way to do it. So we basically want to solve all these lower level problems and we'll solve them for
1: people who aren't so experienced with databases in particular. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Paul Coplestone, aka Koppel, coming in from Singapore. Cobble, how you doing? Hey, B. Dougie, I'm doing good, thanks. Excellent. So we've chatted a couple times, and uh, I invited you on the podcast because you've never been on the podcast before, and you just launched a really cool uh, new version of the thing you're working on. So do you want to intro yourself and tell us why you're here? Sure, sure. Yeah, so
0: I'm the CEO of Superbase, and Superbase is an open-source Firebase alternative. So basically, we're building the features of Firebase, but we're using open-source tools.
1: Excellent. So... Why Firebase? Do so you have like a, a love for just the the structure of the platform? I mean, I'm a big fan of Firebase. And I think yeah. most people, if you've probably heard the first 20 episodes, which you can find them on Heavy Bits website, I think someone actually reached out to me asking where the first 20 episodes were. You know I've used Firebase for a lot of different projects. So I'm excited, but I'm curious, why build another Firebase?
0: Yeah, that's for good reason, right? I mean, uh, Firebase is kind of an amazing tool that when you start using it, it gives you, basically everything you need out of the box. Yeah, really a great tool for especially building, prototyping uh, very early on, getting started. The problem that we really wanted to solve, or I personally wanted to solve, was later on when you start scaling. So. The origin story of Superbase is that we were using Firebase in my previous startup, and we had some scaling problems, and we had to switch to our Postgres database. And in that process, I wrote a real-time engine on top of Postgres, and uh, that was to implement a chat feature inside our startup. Then I open-sourced that real-time engine, and from there, things kind of evolved. Uh, We ended up building a a few more features, and then we decided uh, at the start of 2020 that would make a a proper business, my co-founder and I, and um, we sort of adopted the tagline and adopted the uh, target to build this open-source version of Firebase, but with the key feature that It's as easy to use at the start, but you can scale it indefinitely. So that means we've made a a bunch of decisions around the technologies that we use to make sure that they're sort of enterprise grade. They're very robust, very scalable, and making sure that even if you start something
1: and you build it in a weekend,
0: it can just scale to millions of users.
1: Yeah, and that's super enticing too, as well. And I'm curious to briefly touch on the scalability issues that you had with your startup as well. Cause, like, I'm familiar with uh, Firebase, I've been using it since the start and end of me doing mobile development, cause I don't do any more mobile development. But yeah, it's been like at least five years since I first did my first Firebase app. But I never got to the point where I hit a scaling issue. I think where really I just sort of fell off to stop shipping code to a project that was not going anywhere. So, like what was the sort of the, the limit of that and sort of how is Superbase solving that scaling, if we want to get in more detail?
0: Yeah, sure. Actually, we chatted to a lot of developers at the start of last year, and um, that means different things to different people, scalability issues. For me in particular, in my startup, we hit one very peculiar bug where you can query one document per second. Basically, you can query in Cloud Store a document one query per second. And does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the way we had structured our data was that we're dumping everything into a document and using that for the real-time streams. And of course, people are sending chat messages more than once per second. So um, there was a little bit of a lag between when you were sending messages. But scalability for other people is different things. You can actually have um, limits of throughput. Maybe some people were hitting limits around Maybe they're getting uh, three thousand reads per second, or a thousand writes per second. There could be limits around scaling their code base because it's a NoSQL store. They find that their schema starts living inside their database. It's hard to build relationships between the documents. It could be uh, limits around just missing functionality. For example, doing counts rather than querying all your documents, counting how many of a particular type of uh, document there are is a limit. So it's all sorts of limits that we're aware of and we just want to mitigate them from the very start. And so the way we've done that actually is by choosing different technology. So we're a Firebase replacement in spirit, but not in compatibility. So we don't use a NoSQL store. We actually use Postgres, one of the sort of most trusted and scalable databases, and open source database that there is on the market. And we basically choose tools for each of the features that we know can hit scale. We do uh, performance tests on them. Uh, We make sure that they're easy to use like Firebase, and that they can scale up to basically enterprise-grade.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I've been using Postgres databases since the beginning of my career as a developer. So I understand the tooling uh, pretty well because I've just had to use it in my day job. And I think the excitement of the NoSQL space is that it was everything was new, but it doesn't come with a lot of that sort of existing experience uh, in the tooling. So I definitely understand the reasoning for that as well. So yeah, I'm interested in kind of battle testing it with some projects that I have coming up uh, in the next couple months. So more on that in the future, folks. Definitely, uh, if you aren't subscribing to this podcast, subscribe to the podcast and you'll hear more about that in future podcasts. But I'm curious about the story. You had mentioned your co-founder. Did he also come from that same startup or did you know each other from other places?
0: No, we actually knew each other from about Three or four years ago, we both moved to Singapore for a program called Entrepreneur First, which is this accelerator where they throw a bunch of people in a room, 100 people in a room together, and you basically know nobody, and you have to form a company together, usually a deep tech company. So we spent three months on this accelerator. We got to know each other there. We didn't do a company together. But we ended up living together for a year, and when I decided that I wanted to do Superbase, I kind of sat him down at a cafe one day and I pitched him the idea. He decided to join, and uh, yeah, that's the origin.
1: Wow, that's excellent! And speaking of origin, like you're now in Singapore today too, as well. So, are you just in love with the country, or like what's the lore of Singapore today?
0: Yeah. So I've been in Southeast Asia for, I think, six years now. I actually moved over to Kuala Lumpur uh, for my first startup and then moved to Singapore uh, for that program. I think, I mean, it's a great place to live. It's very easy, very convenient. But our company is fully remote. So it doesn't matter where people live. We've got people in Peru, the US, Canada, and Europe. You can really be anywhere. Uh, I actually just got back from France. I was working there during Christmas. So um, yeah, our team's really spread out. And so we're not really headquartered in Singapore. But for me, I quite like it. The weather's great. The uh, tech scene's quite good. And it's quite cheap and convenient to live in.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, for the context of folks listening, if you listen to this down the road, uh, we are at the beginning of 2021. So you spent your entire year working on Superbase, which... When I first heard of it, it was an alpha, and it was sort of this people were sort of just getting excited about it. I actually, heard it from Thor, a contact and friend that we know, yeah. and uh, I, that was my first introduction to Superbase. And uh, from there, I was just I was hooked at the sort of open source Firebase piece of it.
0: It's funny actually. So Thor works at Stripe. He's a developer advocate, and uh, yeah. one of his colleagues is my COO of my first startup. So that's how we knew each other. And I actually was in Stripe just chatting to um, this guy John about what we're doing, getting ideas, and he invited Thor over. And at the time, we kind of hadn't adopted the idea of open source Firebase. It was just Postgres making it very easy to use. Then we started building and we did a launch on Hack News about April when we got into Y Combinator. And uh, after that, I was meeting John again for coffee. And uh, that's where I actually showed Thor a demo of what we we're building. And it was this you know, one-click deploy of a Slack clone where you can get a real-time chat app up and running just by sort of clicking a button and deploy it out. And from that moment on, yeah, he's been amazing. Uh, Thor has been just promoting us and building on top of Superbase, helping us out with uh, yeah, a bunch of our open-source libraries. So, yeah, it's been great.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, Thor and I partnered with an event that we had towards the end of the year close to the GitHub universe, which was the and Code hackathon. It was a thing we did, I've done previously for our ERG, the Black the Cats at GitHub, focused around teaching open source to underrepresented folks uh, in tech. So competent engineers is not doing open source. And Thor helped involve Stripe and Superbase and Vercel, Also, he invited Vercel to come and help too as well. Mm. And we have this one-click deployment for a Stripe integration that's powered by Superbase and doing authentication and all those wonderful bells and whistles too as well, which was pretty timely because you just announced your beta within weeks of that event as well. So I mentioned I learned a bit in the alpha. Do you want to talk about what the difference between now that you're in beta, like what features we have for Superbase?
0: Yeah, so right now the features of uh, Superbase are basically the database, which is a Postgres database. We've got auth baked in, so we use actually Netlify's GoTrue server, which nice. uh, I know you're very familiar with Yes. for authentication. And then we use for authorization Postgres's row-level security. And we wrap all of this with client libraries and an interface that's very easy to use. The um, It's kind of got a table interface, quite similar to Airtable built on top of Postgres. And then we use... tool called Postgres. In fact, we employ uh, one of the maintainers of Postgres, and that builds instant APIs on top of your Postgres database. So you focus on building your schema, and then you do nothing for the API. It just automatically works out of the box. As you add a table or as you add a column, the API self-updates
1: and the documentation inside your dashboard updates as well. Yeah, that is Amazing too as well. And a couple of weeks ago, I started working on this project and we talked about it off before we hit start on the podcast. But I'm building a sort of um database to help with open source contributors find open source contributions and projects. Uh so I basically started a super base database, database uh, on stream and didn't really get too far. I got the database working, but then I was sort of reading documentation and chatting. It was one of my first streams back. It was post-holiday, so I was sort of really distracted. I'm looking forward to get back to actually shipping that. But what I'm getting at is the ease of me just getting started. It's very familiar uh, in sort of the Firebase experience where Mm -hmm. I can just sort of start typing records and create tables and uh, relationships between the two. And then what's great about it is the API is actually pulling that data inside of my React app, which I'm a a big React fan, and similar to all the SDKs for Firebase. So yeah, I really appreciate just having that sort of like out-of-the-box experience. And I didn't know about the API thing, um, of actually building APIs, on top of the database because I didn't get that far for obvious reasons.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the beauty of what we're offering is that if you want, you actually can do a full serverless setup. Uh, I know this is particularly targeted at JAMstack, so you actually don't need any middleware. If you use um, row-level security, then you can query directly into the Postgres database and it'll use the JWT to authenticate and then to verify that the user has access. So you can write these policies directly inside our dashboard to authorize whether a user can access certain rows or not. And these are full SQL uh, queries, so they can be very powerful. I've seen people build social networks with just these policies. So yeah, they can really be quite powerful. And it's worth noting that the database that we offer um, when you spin up a project is a full Postgres database. It's not a schema within a database. It's literally a full database. So you can connect in, you can use database migration scripts, anything that you want, and connect into your database. Uh, directly. You don't have to use our dashboard, but that's the aim that we start you off, as you say, very easily within the dashboard. And then we'll offer some tooling later on around uh, working on your local machine.
1: So uh, I'm curious about the tooling too, as well. Like I know what tools like Prisma, Prisma 2, um, being out for over a year now at this point. The Superbase, do they integrate with things like Prisma and other tools in the ecosystem?
0: Yeah, so for any tool that wants to integrate with Superbase, then yes, it's basically, the question is, does any tool integrate with Postgres? Because as soon as you can integrate with Postgres, then it works with ours. All you need to do is update the schema and we'll try work as natively as possible with the Postgres database. We don't do anything fancy on top. There are a couple of things that we do for our auth. For example, we put an auth schema inside it and we try to keep your database clean by adding an extension schema where you install your extensions. But otherwise, it's it's really just a native uh, Postgres database. You could literally dump your Postgres database today and um, restore it inside Superbase and it will sort of just work is the idea.
1: Okay, that's excellent. I, I had a, an application that I worked in. It's an internal app at GitHub, um, mainly for only employees. Uh, so the, no details is needed about it. But the, the point is that we decided to sunset it because we ended up moving on to support it in different ways. Okay. Uh, so I actually exported the database and had nowhere to put it. Uh, it was basically a Rails app. The project basically died, so like, there's no real need to migrate it to Superbase or anything else like that. But it was my first time ever even trying to attempt to migrate a Postgres database, which mm. uh, to me was like very interesting, but also slightly scary. Yep. So it sounds like if I choose a tool like Superbase, I can get a lot of those features for free, just sort of pointing my database to it. Yes, yes. Well,
0: that's the thing. Um, I mean, the very long-term future of Superbase is that we know that databases are sort of this unsolved problem for a lot of engineers. I mean, people know about migrations, but they don't know is what's the canonical best way to do it. People might be trying to migrate large databases, maybe trying to fork how do you do it with preview deploys? How do you manage the database with lots of different users, developers developing on top of it? So, we basically want to solve all these lower level problems that you know people just yeah. don't have to think about at this stage or, or don't want to think about. And we'll solve them for um, people who aren't so experienced with databases in particular. So um, if you're a front-end engineer, then we should bring the easiness of front-end to Postgres itself.
1: Yeah, and that's what I love about the JAMstack is I don't have to be an expert at specific layers of the stack. Like I can get real deep on whatever I want to. Uh, But as you mentioned, database is something that I just did not spend a lot of time to. Like my background, I mentioned Rails uh, is where all my Postgres experience comes from. So I have active records, which is why my question was geared towards Prisma, which provides me that layer of abstraction that I don't have to worry about. And then all the other Rails gems and extensions that exist, uh, I'm just sort of this trusting the Rails community to help me along the way uh, when it comes to database interactions. But it sounds like folks who maybe are shy on touching this part of the stack, uh, the, the back-end the database portion of it, they can actually approach Superbase with confidence and even maybe learn something coming out of it, it sounds like.
0: Definitely. And we kind of want to give this, I guess you could say, like a Rails-like experience where it's um, we start you off giving you best practices, but you can get off the Rails very easily. I mean, you've already got Postgres-level access to your database, so yeah. you can hook in directly and you can start doing whatever you would do with a normal
1: Postgres database. So that's the goal. Yeah, and you said the serverless aspect of it. So when you said you could take it and host it elsewhere, are you saying that I can host my database in like AWS and whatever their hosting provider is? I don't know if it's, I think serverless like Lambda, but I'm not sure if there's another thing I'm missing.
0: No, so the serverless aspect is that essentially we are your server, we are your database provider. Okay. Yep. Got it. But to touch on another underlying question and probably one that most people are thinking about, um, do we work with existing databases? So um, would you connect us to, say, an RDS instance or an Aurora instance? At this stage, it's no, because we're still in beta and we're just focused on building on top of our own Postgres offering, which is literally just Postgres with some extensions installed and all the right permissions for um, replication. So... Yeah, At this stage, we are a hosted service, but at some stage, we will actually give the ability to uh, yeah, bring your own database and we'll just connect in, you get the interface, you get the APIs, and we'll connect in and give you everything. The reason why we don't at this stage is because it's easier to build on something that we fully control, especially the real-time aspect. So our real-time engine actually uses the Postgres replication stream to detect changes to tables. And a lot of the providers actually don't give the right level of access for replication that we need. So we'd have to turn that off for most people. And it's just a, a bit harder to support. So once we've built out a good feature set, then we'll start working on how we can
1: turn things on and off for different providers. And I'm curious about the, you mentioned the replication, uh, in the real-time aspect of it, are you leveraging open source tools to power this? Are there familiar names that people are familiar, like, I might not be familiar with them, but maybe someone listening is.
0: Yeah, so we basically are an amalgamation of six tools right now, um, Superbase, So, yeah, it's a bit complicated. Obviously, on the bottom, uh, if I go bottom up, you've got PostgreSQL, the database. Then coming up, a layer for the APIs is uh, Postgres which is the automatic APIs that I was talking about. Yep. Then for the real-time aspect, we've actually built a real-time Elixir engine ourselves. Uh, this is the one that we open-sourced at the start. It's called real-time Superbase Realtime, and that is the one that decodes the logical stream and blasts it out over WebSocket so you can connect to it from a client uh, or a browser. Then we use Netlify Go True for Auth. And then finally, we use an API gateway called Kong, okay. which is great, and we plan to um, provide some support around turning on and off plugins in the dashboard
1: for the API level. Yeah, I'm familiar with Kong, actually. And uh, familiar actually with all the things you named, so I'm like I'm impressed with myself, cool. yeah. uh, to be quite honest. <laughs> But yeah, that, that's interesting. And then I'm curious uh, the future of Superbase and the roadmap, but also one thing that comes to mind too as well is like PostGraphile, mm-hmm. um, which is GraphQL on top of Postgres. Uh, it's a tool I've always wanted to leverage, but I've never really had a database that's been in Postgres long enough to even attempt to do something like that. So if I wanted to bring in like an extension that you aren't already supporting, can I leverage that natively without exporting my Superbase somewhere else?
0: Yeah, so Graphile is pretty cool actually. Um, for those... Listening Graphile is basically like Postgres uh, and it automatically detects your schema. So and it builds a automatic GraphQL engine on top of your Postgres schema. So it's sort of like the GraphQL version of Postgres. We ourselves don't plan to um, offer it, but uh, if you wanted to, you could just connect it into our database. Since we give you Postgres-level access, you just need to install it, point it at your Superbase database, and you've got Graphile up and running. So it's very cool. The reason why we won't support it at this stage is because Postgres itself actually offers sort of nested queries. You can query into foreign relationships automatically, and we provide libraries that make it very simple to do this there's a lot of overlap at this stage and we don't see the need for offering both.
1: Yeah, and when you say uh, Postgres-level access, is that me actually typing PSQL in my terminal, pointing it to my Postgres database that's hosted with Superbase and adding extensions that way? Correct. Yep. Okay.
0: And this is part of the thing where you can get off the rails, right? Yeah, so um, it. people routinely break their database um, with us, but we don't care. I mean, this is, we want to give you full access. You shouldn't think of this as just a toy. This is something that you um, can use, you can debug yourself, you can. Uh, literally we give you a SQL editor inside the dashboard itself so you can Excellent. get down to SQL level and query you can connect in with your favorite tool we, I use DBeaver or table plus whatever you want to use you can actually start interfacing with your database using whatever
1: tools you're familiar with Wow I'm impressed and I'm looking forward to getting more confidence and yeah and it's funny you bring it up uh, this is not a toy and I, I appreciate you bringing that up too as well because like when I approach this like I want to build a toy app. But also, if the app takes off or people actually leverage it, I do want to take it seriously. Eventually, yep. that's just how I approach my career: is I'd sort of play around with things and see if they stick, and then, then I'll run with it if uh, if people actually want to pay me money for it. Which yep. sadly, no one's done that yet. So, yep. hopefully, this is the year.
0: Perfect. Yeah, well, I hope for the success of your app. But yeah, that's really what we're trying to make sure that we provide. Uh, if anyone does have a successful app that they've sort of built over the weekend, as just a prototype. They get hit with Hacker News. Actually, there was one two days ago that um, sort of showed up on the front page of Hacker News. It was just a um, show Hacker News called Paint WTF, where you can sort of paint a picture and then it uh, would have an AI analyze whether the picture was... Correct. It would give these absurd things like draw an upside down dinosaur, and then the AI would analyze the effectiveness of your drawing, and then it would rank you globally. And someone had built this using Superbase, and then they got onto the front page of hack News, and I think they were getting around two queries per second, averaged over six hours, but peaking at around two thousand queries per minute, something like that. So it's one of these ones where. You know, if you built it with something that is a toy, you know, you built it on top of, uh, I don't want to name any other tools, but something that can't handle these sort of scales or
1: or more, yeah, your app goes down and you've lost all that traffic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is unfortunate. And I think this kind of the hard way most people sort of figure out how to solve scaling issues is by getting on the front page of Hacker News. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. In fact, that was our first real test. We, um, when we were in alpha, we'd been building for three months and we got onto the front page of Hack News. I think we stayed there for about two days and everything was blowing up. But the main thing that was blowing up was our cloud limits. The actual stack that we were using survived fine. And at that stage, because we only had, I think, 50 users, but it was sort of an open alpha where you could sign up and then we had only 50 people. We were hosting everything on just a Docker Compose up on a <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> literally just you know SSH into a server, Docker Compose up, and then uh, it would have the six tools uh, running on this machine. But for those two days, it handled all the traffic just using that stack and Docker Compose. So uh, we know it's good, scalable, even uh, when you're sort of misusing it. So yeah, we're working on making sure that we can uh, scale even beyond uh, to very
1: scalable uh, circumstances. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's amazing. And uh, speaking of scale, uh, I'm curious. I, I do want to talk about uh, the future of Superbase. What you have planned for the rest of the year, but also curious about pricing too, as well. So, like, when I one thing that I'm scared of when I do touch databases or I touch part of the stack that I know once I get more than ten users, or whatever it is. I'll have to start paying money, which is part of the reason why I haven't built this thing I mentioned, which is the sort of recommendation engine yep. for open source,
0: yep.
1: uh, is because I already have 200 users on my main project. So 200 users on a Heroku Postgres is automatically already going to be paying money right out the gate yep. on a side project. So that's one thing that I'm concerned. So I'm curious uh, what do you have in store for pricing? And then what do you have in store for the future of this year and the roadmap for Superbase?
0: Yeah, so pricing, um, yeah, for those listening, we're currently free. We'll bring out pricing very soon. Still uh, working out the details, but it's likely that there'll be sort of two tiers, one extremely low price, but with sort of a very generous uh, time period for free apps. I think a, a year will give free if you're just dabbling. Well, if you sign up while we're in beta, you'll get a year of usage. And then it'll be a very... Low price. I won't put a number out because um, we haven't finalized the price. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and then, sort of, a medium tier where you go up in size. But the key is that, you know, we know a lot of people get bill shock with Firebase where you're priced on the number of API calls. What we'll probably do is just a, some soft limits around uh, how much space you're using in your database rather than the number of queries for non enterprise customers. So it'll be something like two gig of storage for the base tier, and then it'll go up to 10 gig for the next tier, but they're soft limits. So if you blow over them accidentally, then it doesn't matter, we'll just reach out to you to move up into the next tier. So um, yeah, we should be mitigating while we're in beta any concerns around uh, bill shock. It'll be very cheap and competitive with Firebase. Excellent. For features, actually, yeah, it's uh, quite exciting this year. Um, We've just started planning out uh, what we can release. And of course, Firebase has a lot of features that we need to build. Um, At the moment, we've got sort of the data store and the APIs and the client libraries, but they also have the big two uh, storage and functions, cloud functions. And these are the ones that people are most readily asking for. So this year in Q1, we're going to do actually something called launch week at the end of Q1, where we basically launch one thing every day. And the key headline I can tell you right now is going to be storage. We're um, in the process of building storage now. So um, yeah, look out for that
1: and then we'll launch something else uh, each and every day uh, for that week. Okay, excellent. I'm looking forward to that. I will be marking my calendar. And folks, definitely follow uh, Koppel. Uh, you are a Kiwi Koppel on Twitter. Yep. And uh, Superbase, I believe you have. Do you have Superbase on, on Twitter as well? Yeah, we do. Superbase underscore IO. Okay, excellent. Perfect, yeah. Anything else that maybe we didn't cover that you want to mention? No, I think that's been yeah pretty good. Thanks a lot for all the questions. Yeah, and uh, speaking of questions, we're actually move out of questions and into picks. These are jam picks, things that you're jamming on. It could be food, music, movie-related. I definitely appreciate the conversation we had about Superbase. I'm actually super excited to actually work on this project that I've been talking about. I've actually been talking about this project for too long. (laughs) Um, So definitely, folks, follow me everywhere on the internet so I can talk about this. But uh, if you don't mind, I'll go first with my picks. Um, My first pick is Instagram, which is kind of... what it's a weird pick. I just kind of sucked a lot of time in Instagram in the last couple of weeks for whatever reason. <laughs> um, the news has been really weird uh, in the last couple of months, so I just kind of been sucking my time into just scrolling through Instagram because people seem to be happy, and I just yep. want to see something happy.
0: So, so what are you doing? Because you're in lockdown, right? You're posting a bunch of <laughs> yeah. pictures. What sort of stuff? What's your thing on Instagram?
1: Yeah, so I used to use Instagram uh, whenever I traveled. So I used to do a lot of traveling. Uh, I was actually supposed to be in Singapore earlier of last year. Yeah, And um, usually just take pictures and do photos and food. But 2020, I just kind of stopped doing that because taking photos and pictures of food of like my local coffee shop, is just not as interesting to me. I wanted to show, yeah. which I probably, in hindsight, I probably still could have did that. Same coffee every day because my coffee shop has been open the entire time. They just happen to have a nice walk-up window, which has been COVID-friendly. Cool. But that's besides the fact. Uh, now I'm really in the food, still in the food. I've been making a lot of food. Uh, I'm getting a lot of recipes on Instagram. I know this has been a thing that's been on Facebook, but I haven't used Facebook regularly for years. So I think a lot of people, well, Facebook has figured Instagram been their sort of loss leader and <laughs> they've been basically gaining... Adoption through Instagram, but losing adoption through Facebook. We don't have to go back and forth on that. People, you can at me, at mention me somewhere else. But what I'm getting at is, actually, I I have a lot of furniture I look at on Instagram. I watch a lot of reels of people dancing for some reason. A lot of TikToks on Instagram. Okay, But yeah, and then a shout out to um, Korean Dad. Korean dad is actually, he's based in uh, San Francisco. He's actually the owner of the coffee shop that was inside of GitHub uh, when we had the office open. But that guy blew up on TikTok. And he's also blew up on Instagram and Twitter. And I've just been following him because this guy's hilarious. And he's just basically a Korean dad that is super nice, super positive, has nothing negative to say. And I love his persona. I hope that's his real persona. I hope he's like, super nice in real life as well because yeah. uh, I have not met him before in real life I just knew of him yeah so check out Korean dad leverage Instagram if you're cool with that uh, I know some people have a weird security um, limitations and yeah. what they can use or what they want to use yeah. uh, so definitely use that your own
0: at your own peril.
1: Yeah, yes. at your own peril. Uh, <laughs> and what's your Instagram handle so everyone can find you? Uh, I'm be yo. Yeah, it's the same as Twitter. Okay. Uh, it's as funny as I I've never promoted my Instagram yeah. ever because I just this is this for me? It's a public Instagram, but I just always just did my own stories. And if you knew I was there, you would follow me. Um, so I only have like two hundred people who follow me. So hit me up on Instagram. I'm gonna start doing some food related stories and pictures because you know. I'm at home, which is one last pick, which I'll mention, which is Joshua Weissman, who's a YouTuber, he used to be a professional chef in Austin, Texas. Oh, cool. And uh, he's been doing these things where uh, during quarantine, he's been doing, he'll find like a fast food restaurant or a popular item, like at Popeyes or whatever, and he'll make it from scratch at home. So he did Cinnabon, which I don't know if they had Cinnabon down in, uh, in Asia. But if you know the cinnamon rolls, yep. uh, I know they're probably called something else out there. But cinnamon rolls, uh, Cinnabon—they're super bad for you. You get them at the mall. <laughs> uh, it's like a quintessential American treat. And he made one of those and like shared the recipe. And over the holidays, I made the same thing, used the same everything that he did, nice. and they were amazing. I had cinnamon rolls, Cinnabon cinnamon rolls, at home. Christmas morning yeah. for the entire family, which you know, yeah, uh, brush <laughs> a little off my shoulder because, uh, yeah, I thought I was pretty good, but yeah, he's a whiz and he just breaks everything down for you and it makes it approachable for you to do.
0: Yeah, okay, very cool. And it's cool that you mentioned sort of the positive aspects of um, social media. I, I actually, you know, I have most of the tools, but I actually don't use any of them. They make it very hard to code if I spend too much time, yeah, uh, on social media. But you know, you hear a lot of negative stuff about social media, it's always nice to hear people talking about the positive aspects that yeah. you know you can find. And I think if you cultivate it, spend some time cultivating the right audience, the very positive
1: people, then yep. it can be a great thing. I am not afraid to unfollow people. You could be my wife, sister, brother, mother. Yeah. Uh, I'm cool to unfollow you if you're not giving me the content I, I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So be positive or be Dougie will unfollow
0: you. That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nice. Excellent. Did you have any picks for the audience uh, that you wanted to share?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, your life sounds far more interesting than mine because I (laughs) I think I'm consumed by work. The only thing I can think at this stage is that um, we've got a cool tool, maybe it's relevant for a lot of the open source um, people. We've got a tool called repository.surf. If you go there, you can actually look up a, an open source rep, uh, organization. For example, you could go to repository.surf slash superbase or slash Vercel and you can see their star growth over time, but also wow. you can claim an organization and then when you claim your organization, you can start seeing your how many issues are open and sort of the burn down of issues or, or the burn up of issues in our case and how we're growing these sort of things. So it this is one that we sort of have been dogfooding internally. It's been quite fun just building something unrelated to what we're building, but still useful. And uh, it's been quite cool actually, um, sort of surfing around different organizations, seeing how they're growing, seeing the bums, wh- why the bums come, and and you know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. There's a uh, a tool that you might have heard of Algolia. They're within the Jamstack. They every year did a thing where it was um, they would give something away. For free to the open source community, so they built the the search for Hacker News, oh. uh, which is something that you, it's Hacker News searches is not the best. Yeah, uh, so they built a better version of it uh, where they index the entire Hacker News site, and you can go back and look at historical Hacker News articles. Nice, uh, and it does a couple other things. So y'all should uh, consider uh, shipping that for the world to benefit from. I guess it's public. We're it's pro-
0: public, but also it's open source. So uh, if anyone wants to improve it, yeah, we thought about you know putting in some community features where you can see you know who are the top contributors and sort of profile them or maybe highlight the maintainers so um you know you can surf around but to be honest, we're super busy. So if anyone wants to contribute, it is open source. Just go to Superbase on GitHub, find the repository, surf, or go to the website and click on the GitHub link down the bottom. Excellent. But yeah, um, that's the one we've been jamming on. Has been a lot of fun. We actually do sort of dog fooding uh, a lot of tools, but that's the most interesting one that I can think of at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, that's how open source got developed. is because I was dog fooding Netlify nice. uh, and a lot of their newer features. So. Uh, I built that little tool while I was working there and uh, it's like my little pet project. But I'm interested to see if there's any room for contributions on my end or maybe replacing my Instagram scrolling, and I can start scrolling <laughs> through some repositories. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, we'd love to get you in there contributing. That'd be awesome. Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, thanks for the uh, the conversation, uh, folks. I hope you got a lot of insight at a couple's uh, story as well as what Superbase is offering for the community. Definitely try it out. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio.